Welcome to KuzaCast, where we interview some of the most influential people in tourism from around the world. My name is Graham Watson, and I'm the founder of Kuza Global. The word Kuza means a new dawn, and in 2023, we want to find out just how our guests are working towards that new dawn. Join us and subscribe to future episodes as we hope to inspire you with stories of strength and resilience in the tourism industry. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another edition of KuzaCast. Today, my guest is the wonderful Marion Rink Rosenthal, who's based in the US. How are you doing today, Marion? Good morning, Graham. I'm doing fabulous. Thank you so much for having me. Good, good. Thanks for joining me. I uh, Just to give the listeners a bit of a, a context of how we know each other, Marion actually uh, made sure that I was an alumni of UCLA. We uh, m- many, many years ago, I did a course in the Los, with the Los Angeles Tourism and Convention Board at, at UCLA in uh, in Los Angeles, and Marion was the what the lecturer, I suppose, and uh, therefore I am um, uh, a legitimate alumni member of the UCLA uh, uh, um, University. So thank thank you for that, and we'll just go through a bit uh, a bit of Marion's history uh, as well. So Marion, you are of uh, German descent, so just give us a bit of the history of from Germany to Los Angeles to now Tulsa, Oklahoma. How did that all happen? Um, in multiple steps. So born and raised in Hamburg, Germany, uh, and then finalized education in France. I've always been very interested in foreign countries and cultures, and I studied foreign applied languages in uh, southern France, Nice, got a master's, uh, and applied for languages means it's applied to business situations. So you have a business education and a law education mixed in. It was preparing us for international business. Uh, With a focus, my master's thesis was on uh, tourism. However, I ended up at RTL, (laughs) Radio Television Luxembourg, because jobs were sparse and they took me. So bum. And I ended up in the US by complete coincidence, the usual story. I had worked with uh, bands in tour management uh, because I spoke English in summertime on school breaks and met musicians, amongst them my first husband. And he was Los Angeles based. And so I quickly moved. And so ever since 1986, I've been US-based. I worked in journalism and still do. Uh, I still produce documentary films and had written travel books, And that led to me being involved with the travel industry and getting assignments in tour management and uh, event production. So it sort of came full circle. And now I do all of it, uh, depending on what the pandemic allows. And Tulsa happened very recently. Uh, This is my first Zoom conference interview in Tulsa. Tulsa has a program called Tulsa Remote. It invites remote workers from uh, the U.S. and foreign countries, as long as you can legally work in the U.S., to work remotely, to do your remote work from Tulsa, to basically bring more creative higher education level people into uh, the area. Tulsa was the oil capital of the world 100 years ago, but it sort of had a downslide from the 60s, 70s onward. And there's multiple efforts 
uh, to bring Tulsa back. It's been mentioned last year by various media sources as the place to see and visit. There's a lot going on in Tulsa, and it's a fascinating story to me as a journalist and a very exciting time to be in Tulsa because so much... Uh, renovation and renewal and reinvention is going on. That a lot of creative people are coming here. Martin Scorsese has an office. Sylvester Stallone is filming here. Leonardo DiCaprio's been here. There's a lot of production companies and a lot of Hollywood, quote unquote, is coming to Tulsa. Yeah, it's a very exciting place to be at this time. Yeah, yeah, it sounds it sounds it. So you you um, did a lot of work with the Los Angeles uh, Tourism and and Convention Board. Uh, twenty four years, it says. Yes, it started wow, in the late nineties, and we're in twenty twenty three. So yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Time great, flies great. when you're having fun. <laughs> <laughs> it does. And then what? So what? Um, so journalism and media uh, travel writing is, of course, one of your one of your specialities. So what? Um, what uh, what what took you into that? I mean, did you did you need to study for that, or did you just fall fall into it? Um, that came out of my journalistic work and my writing for weekly magazines and monthly magazines that I was was doing for the German market. Uh, the first time I wrote travel books in the nineties, that's what got me involved with LA tourism, and I recently. Um, just at the beginning of the pandemic, I got another book uh, publishing deal with a German publishing house in travel media. Obviously, we had to postpone everything a bit, but my book, California, 50 Tips Off the Beaten Track in German, was published uh, la late last summer, and it's on Amazon, and it's a but in German language, and it's a book to give people who have already seen the major sites uh, ideas and uh, tips on what to do. I've been writing all along and writing has been a big part of my professional life all along. Well, that's wonderful. Uh, you know, having lived in California for, for two years myself, I did get to get to do a, a bit of the off the beaten track. One of, one of the things that come to mind is the central, the central California wine, uh, wine estates that were featured in the movie sideways. Um, my friend and I went and did, uh, did a few of those and then uh, Big Bear Lake as well. That's that's something that uh, that was pretty pretty fascinating and beautiful as well. Yeah, it's a huge amount of variety in Southern California, and you, as we always say at Alley Tourism, you can go either skiing or surfing on the same day, and you can do both if you get up early enough. So uh, it's such a huge variety. Uh, California overall has the largest biodiversity in terms of flora and fauna in the world, uh, from uh, the redwoods in the north to uh, the deserts in the southeast, the largest agricultural growing region in the U.S., um, the highest continental mountain in the 48 lower states. So except for a mountain in Alaska, we have the highest mountain in uh, the country. Uh, we also have the oldest tree, the largest tree, and the tallest tree. Uh, there's a lot of uh, exceptional situations that occur in California and make it a very special and interesting and fascinating place. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I also broke my shoulder skiing <laughs> in California. Oh, oh. Uh, and, uh, yes. I thought that I was, you know, going to, going to learn how to ski finally. And, 
yeah ended up uh i'm sure somehow on on a triple double black diamond <laughs> slopes uh, well that's what i think yes. it was probably the bunny slope but but i thought it was i thought and then i just yeah ended up just crashing down it was in sierra and uh, south lake tahoe so be- beautiful beautiful places and what really surprised me about southern california is is all the the great things to do the weather itself it uh you know what is it 330 340 days of sunshine a year and that's the reason why the the movie industry is there um you helped me get a you you helped me introduce myself to tony from redline tours and i worked as a tour guide on hollywood uh, boulevard for a couple of years as well and learned all about the the history of the of the movies and the history of hollywood and and you learned then that uh, the reason why the movies are where they are is is purely because of the weather in Southern California. Yes, at a time when they couldn't control the weather much, uh, you know, 120 years ago, roughly, um, they uh, pioneers of the film industry came from New York, where you have rough winters, long winters, and bad weather a lot, to California, yes. discovered California, and said, oh my God, we can shoot outdoors without artificial lights, without uh, a lot of protection for most of the year. And uh, the studios established, the scene established itself in, from Santa Barbara on down to Hollywood. And 1919 was the year that Hollywood Boulevard commenced. You know more about it than I do because you were well, a specialized Well, I thought it was 10 guide. years ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was. Uh, and was some, some businesses are still there. The very famous Musu and Frank Grill is a family yes. business now in fourth generation. It's iconic and legendary. It's been continuously opened with a short shutdown during the pandemic um, f- since 1919 and it's still thriving it's still a place to be um, mm. it's go if you are in Hollywood go to Musa and Frank have a lunch and have a martini mm. and uh, they are yeah. they have a very iconic menu and it's very classic and it still attracts a lot of Hollywood types because the Stella Adler um, Acting Academy is literally two steps away and uh, yes. you have a lot of actors in that area they don't walk up and down Hollywood Boulevard they come in and out to the back door to the parking lot but the, you do see them at Musso and Frank yeah, it's a lovely place. I think when I worked across the road at the Egyptian theater, it was kind of in my eyesight uh, most of the day. It was it was right there. So, yeah, a, a lovely. A, yeah, I mean, Hollywood is is a great uh, great place to be, and you know, it was a lovely time in my life walking up and down and you know pointing out all the sights. Um, but so that was certainly something that if someone had to say to me, if you that I was going to be a tour guide on Hollywood Boulevard, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't have thought that that was in the in the stars for me. What 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 happened in your career that you can think of that you maybe didn't expect? Um, everything of it. <laughs> I, thought, <laughs> I thought when I was going to school, um, when I went to college, I thought I would be a uh, travel designer, planner for French. Uh, resort chains. I thought I would travel the world from a beautiful tropical beach to tr- beautiful tropical beach for, for instance, for maybe 
Club Méditerranée. That didn't work out too well. And I ended up at uh, Radio Television Luxembourg as a junior producer and editor by complete coincidence. I mean, my auntie suggested it. She was based in Luxembourg, working for the European Parliament. And uh, she said, why? Do, and I was visiting on, a, on my way through. And uh, she's like, why don't you apply there? So I did. And lo and behold, they took me. Boom. So <laughs> that, was a, that was a surprise. And then opportunities that presented themselves through connections. Uh, my longtime cameraman's wife had a event production company and she was producing a lot of powwow and con uh, convention events for Los Angeles tourism. Uh, they were a client of hers, so she sold the business a couple of years ago, but they uh, were a longtime client. So that connection led to them, uh, my friends Steve and Janet Elkins, suggesting me to LA Tourism to produce German-speaking presentation videos for an international convention. And uh, that led to all these contacts in the tourism industry little by little. So it was all a surprise. Everything was just sort of happening. Yes, yes. So, I mean, how how long did the U.S. shut down for, particularly in like California? I mean, was how long were the, the lockdowns that you couldn't even leave your house? Um, well, that really depended on area. Some cities, it was uh, on the municipal level. So some cities never wanted to really lock down, like Huntington Beach and uh, San, uh, San Clemente in Orange County uh, were resisting state orders from the get-go. Um, and uh, in L.A. County, things were more severe. Even beaches were blocked for a while. Um, but since so much that we can do is outdoors, things bounded, bounced back fairly quickly in many areas. Uh, the climate made it a lot easier for us than New York or Chicago or you know or European cities that have cold climates because restaurants got perm permits to the cities allowed restaurants to move outside. Some streets were blocked off to. Uh, vehicular travel to permit these restaurants to set up outdoor terraces and so with social distancing and in fresh air we had uh, a lot of and it was, actually was lovely and some streets continue to be like that because uh, there was a few of that before despite our great climate now we have a lot more outdoor patio dining spaces and bars uh, sports clubs were closed for the longest. Beauty salons had a very long shutdown. Uh, there were a lot of funny memes on social media. The Kardashians without their makeup, their <laughs> fake hair, their wigs and their nails and all of that. Yes, yes. <laughs> sure they made <laughs> a plan. What you really look like without the Botox. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but it was much more livable for us, and uh, it went up and down with uh, mask requirements. Some, and that was also left up to businesses quite a bit. There have been some spikes this year where uh, indoor masking was required again, but we haven't seen a severe lockdown since uh, summer of 2021. Hmm. Uh, so things have normalized fairly well. What we still see is, though, uh, uh, supply chain issues. For instance, restaurants struggle with lack of workers yes. because the workers 
uh, many of them had to move on to other professions. So they uh, moved on to working in caf uh, business cafeterias, in school lunch programs, in industrial kitchen programs, and so on and so forth. Uh, and drivers, bus drivers, moved on to municipal bus driving, truck driving. There was the driver shortage in the Amazon world and in the cargo world. So a lot of the drivers with uh, class A commercial driver licenses, meaning allowed to drive trucks, commercial trucks, so switched from bus driving. So now you sometimes see transportation company owners behind the wheel because there's just not, not enough drivers. And in some high-end full-service restaurants, service can be excruciatingly slow, even in very high-end um, establishments and the business models have changed a lot of restaurants have switched to a lot of takeout mm. or counter ordering and then you get a number and they deliver to the table but the full table service is sort of disappearing and very few restaurants maintain that concept unfortunately yeah so that's uh, one of the questions i was going to ask so i mean you are you are working from tulsa in in a remote working uh, sort of program that they've started in in California or in in the states in general because I know in the UK particularly there is a lot of remote working happening you know in the in the tourism industry as well as as people try and get back to you know get uh, claw back some of the lost income I think it is a big money saver to to have people working from from home do you do you see that as an ongoing trend in in the states particularly in somewhere like California or southern or Los Angeles where traffic is such a big issue and it can take you one one and a half hours some days to get into work um yes and an hour and traffic seems to be worse in California I mean I was in California two weeks ago I'm going back in a week so I'm still back and forth a lot um however uh it's a big uh, conflict now because most employers, especially if the uh, executive uh, uh, branch is of older date, yes. uh, want workers to come back at least four days a week. Mm. A lot of young workers do not want to return to the office. Um, how much productivity is happening is up for debate, whether that's an issue or not an issue. Um, since I moved to California and immediately started working as a correspondent for German publishing houses, print, television, and radio, um, I've always been a remote worker since 1986, mm. uh, just by the nature of that beast. Mm. And uh, so I, I had to learn the self-discipline. You're not sitting on the couch. You're not watching daytime soaps. Mm. Uh, you have to teach your family and friends that you're not available for long chit-chats and coffee breaks during a workday. You're working. Yes, but uh, I mean, that, so, that's in an office as well. You kind of have to teach your colleagues. Yes. That look, you know, we we can't go on long coffee breaks and smoke breaks, and because we, you know, we have to work. So that's what I that's what I think that the 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 management have to understand as well. That uh, you know, as as I've said many times, just because someone's in an office doesn't necessarily mean they they're working for the eight hours. You know, so but I think it has yes. become uh, particularly as the the younger generation, the millennials come through, it's it's becoming an expectation. I think um, you know, particularly in places like like California, and you know, for for the for the travel industry, it's um, it's it's you know, it's it's a matter of being able to to just try and get back the income that was lost because of course hospitality and travel were, were hit the most and um you know do 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 businesses need uh, these big expensive offices you know that's the question 
I don't think so. The agencies I work, first of all, LA Tourism has downsized tremendously. And a lot of the staffers, I mean, there's meetings, there's brainstorming, there's a lot of public events and presentations again. Uh, however, a lot of people work from home at least part of the week. And office space has been reduced tremendously. It's an issue for the commercial uh, uh, real estate uh, worlds because a lot of office spaces in Los Angeles and San Francisco are standing empty. Um, it's the same for smaller for the agencies. Uh, there was a big downsizing, and people can be anywhere now. Uh, they do the same amount of work. Uh, for me, things have bounced back. Uh, beginning to bounce back, I should say, with uh, offers to take business travel groups uh, on uh, scientific trips, on meeting trips, on incentive and reward trips. Uh, and all of that is planned by workers in that belong to agencies, but that are all working from home. And then every now and then there's a meeting in a gathering, but uh, basically you can do the same job from home as long as you have internet access yes. and a phone. Yes, yeah, um, yeah. And as long as you're dedicated to that, to delivering. And that's, I think, the secret to success is meet your deadlines and deliver. Yes. And I think a lot of people are go over and above uh, the call of duty to deliver because they want to prove that it's it's working for them, you know, the, the whole remote mm -hmm. working. But um, so... What's been your, I mean, obviously it's it's been a, a long and uh, eventful career. Is there anything, what's been the most exciting travel project that, that you've worked on that you can think of? Or has there just been so many? Um, I really love travel. So it's always fun to meet people, to show them sites that, you know, are incredibly stunning and leave for me the goal has always been and always is to make sure that my participants my guests take home memories for a lifetime that they have experiences that are unique to them not prefabricated i always try to put it into context of what matters to them um and just before the pandemic, I had um, several trips that were in the agricultural science and research world. I learned a huge amount of stuff because obviously I didn't know much about that. So I had to do a lot of research and I learned a lot. And it was fascinating to take, for instance, a group of German vegetable growers to the growing areas in California to in Arizona. Uh, we're talking Imperial Valley. Uh, we were in El Centro, California, Yuma, Arizona, Central Valley, Bakersfield area, Salinas, uh, Northern California. Uh, they uh, were exploring uh, methods of irrigation because in Germany the climate change means we don't have the constant rain anymore so all of a sudden mm. they have to figure out how to water the veggies yes. and uh, <laughs> so there and one place that does that well is California and Arizona so it was fascinating to me because it's I always learn something new I always meet new people and I learned a lot on that trip. Um, but it's also great to go back. I hope to go back to Monument Valley and Bryce Canyon and uh, do the canyons uh, this summer. And uh, there's a few tours that are penciled in. So uh, it's a fascinating area in the world. Um, last year I had one experience and I wrote a blog post uh, after that shock because one 
um, not in the U.S. residing over the road manager uh, voiced uh, something about, oh, and in, in the, when we're driving through the deserts, I just turn on uh, some movie and leave him alone. Like, you know, <laughs> the easy way out for a guy to not really work. Um, well, Mojave is one of the most fascinating areas in the world. Um, there are is uh, there are animals that exist only there that adapt to extreme to an extreme environment. There, there is the most advanced aerospace industry in the world, skunk works in Lancaster, for instance, in Palmdale, the test pilot programs, the secret military programs, um, a huge amount of filming, uh, the in, a geological uh, uh, geological sites that are just outstanding, uh, the Joshua trees that are only growing in a couple mm. of places in the whole world. I mean, there's just so much to talk about and see and point out. And um, I was shocked that she didn't know anything about that. It's And I think that's, you do a lot of research, your tours, your work, your work as a consultant, everything is well-researched and uh, to the point. And I think that's really uh, important in our world and hospitality to let our guests and our clients know what is there. And that's our job to present that. Mm. And I I love that part of it. It's just, I'm a storyteller, whether it's a documentary film or a tour program, I love to be prepared and have the information. Is your, is your body of work all in one place or um, are there links to it on your website? Or where can people see some of the stuff you've done? Um, I have a website. It's my last name, rank-rosenthal.com. And the links to my uh, blog and my social media are there. I'm also on Instagram where I post fairly frequently as well as uh, on Facebook and then on LinkedIn, of course. And uh, for the travel information, it's best to go to my blog and to my Instagram. Okay, great, great. And then what uh, always try and get 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 a bit of information from from guests in terms of how they structure their day and productivity wise, in the terms of the the technology tools, have you got, do you, is there any particular tool that you use or an app that helps you through or are you a, a pen and paper kind of person still? Um, I'm on my computer all the time. I'm an Apple girl, so all my products are Apple. Yeah. Uh, so it all syncs. Um, Zoom, essential. Um, a special headset microphone like you also mm. have so that the sound is okay. That's important. Uh, clear communication. Um, App-wise, um, I just use the usual stuff. I research a lot on uh, Google and Google Scholar. Um so that for part of my work, I make a lot of phone calls and I network a lot, whether that's uh, LinkedIn, uh, Instagram, following people on Instagram and researching uh, hashtags. For instance, so to prepare for Tulsa, I started following a huge amount of Tulsa related uh, 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 social media feeds mm. and f find out that there's a lot of fascinating stuff happening in this area. Uh, and pay attention because Route 66 has a centennial. There will be 2026 will be a huge year for Route 66. My Harley Davidson driving travel agents are already very excited about that upcoming. There will be a huge amount of special events all along. But Oklahoma has the longest continuous stretch that is still in existence of Route 66. 
2026, and there will be a lot of uh, things happening in Oklahoma in 2026 related to Route 66, which comes right through Tulsa. Great. Sounds good. Yeah. I mean, uh, not many people know mm. that Route 66 actually ends at Santa Monica Pier. So, um, yeah. yeah. So there's quite often, if you go down Santa Monica Pier, you'll see all the Harley Davidson guys there uh, all taking pictures. Yes. Yeah. It's a huge deal for French and German travelers. I'm not so sure about whether the uh, uh, whether people from the uh, UK uh, do those trips. I haven't encountered any, but the French and the Germans, uh, German speaking, I should say, Austrians, Swiss, and Germans are fascinated by that slice of American history. It's very Americana. Yes. And uh, that it's a three-week trip for the most for the most programs. And uh, there's a huge amount of variety of uh, American slice of life that you travel through at the time, plus major natural sites. Mm. And then in, when I lived in L.A., I lived in West Hollywood for a while, right off of Santa Monica Boulevard, where the old Warner Studios are, which were the United Artists Studios back in the day, 100 years ago. That's Route 66. Yeah. So uh, uh, Route 66 really ties everything together uh, from Chicago. Chicago to the West, and it was the first road that really connected the West to the rest of the country, therefore called the Mother Road. And um, it's everything, all the uh, crossing uh, roads were offshoots of uh, 66. And the location of 66 was chosen because it was already a uh, Indian, a Native American trail, and then in a Spanish explorer trail, because it's, uh, once you hit Tulsa, we have a snow situation right now. However, from here on down, you have short uh, winter breakouts, basically, for a few days, but for the most part, Route 66 through this area is traditionally fairly mild, and it was also avoiding hostile territory 100 years ago, mm. uh, or before that, actually, in, during the uh, uh, exploration days. And uh, I learned all that in Kingman, Arizona, where they have a very nice museum for Route 66 at the Visitor Center. Great. great. I mean, you are a font of knowledge about America, so you're definitely in the right field where you write books and do documentaries. So I highly encourage everybody to check out your website, which I'll put on the description of the podcast. And uh, yeah, is it mainly in German or do you do a lot of English related stuff as well? My social media and my blogging is all in English. Okay. And most Germans are pretty strong in English. And there's also on my blog an automated Google Translate app. So you can click it over to your language. And then, of course, the translation translation sometimes is a little weird. Yes. <laughs> However, you know, what <laughs> you always get the meaning of it. So, but, so it's easy to click over to German, French or Spanish, actually, on my blog. Yeah. So what, I mean, obviously the, the whole world during the pandemic, it was a... A very strange time. Everybody didn't know what was going on, and I'm so glad. I'm so glad we can talk about it in the past tense now. Um, it has been roughly, you know, just just under a year really that people have been traveling again and moving around the world and getting back to uh, getting back to what they were in, in 2019. What did what was the what do you think still needs to to change in order for everybody to kind of kind of get get back on their feet? Is there is there something that you think the world you know, you just think, well, you know, we, we need to do that in order to kind of just kind of just move forward again. 
Yes, from our industry point of view, uh, some agencies that I've spoken with and uh, that do a lot of research and have that have always been sort of boutique agencies, um, they are switching uh, the way they do business. Um, it's really a reinvention because I think a lot of people are still a little leery about big city travel, about a lack of uh, uh um, restaurant availability, um, very large travel groups are still struggling. Yeah. And the quality of that type of travel is not really what it used to be. Um, and th uh, there are agencies that do these package deals that are very rushed, where you have large groups going through large programs in a short amount of time. And it's exhausting and always has been. And I, I've always thought it wouldn't be my favorite type of travel you see a lot basically it's an orientation so that you can then later on decide your own uh independent trip to explore more in depth because if i mean literally had programs that were packaged on the internet in europe and it's like death valley in the morning grand canyon in the afternoon mm. <laughs> when you know the area you know it's completely impossible yeah. and, uh, and it was impossible yeah. <laughs> and the guests were not happy yes <laughs> uh, so i see a big movement and also talking to i have a lot of contacts on my social media that are former participants in groups uh, people that were part of my travels or part of my um uh, seminars they uh Everybody expresses a, an interest in more in-depth, more local. Mm. And then from a, a young people, especially my nephews, consider their carbon footprint. Yes. They consider sustainability. They consider local economy. How much is their um, travel impacting local small business? And uh, you, did you ever meet Curtis Tucker when we were in Los Angeles? I think I might have. Yes, I think I might have. Yes. yes. He's a tour guide. Uh, he has a, a company and he was the first one back up and running because he refitted his buses for social distancing and safety. And he has a lot of contracts with local senior citizen clubs in uh, the Los Angeles area. And once they, they were the first ones to have access to vaccines. And as soon as they were vaccinated, they wanted to have fun again and get out. And he has all these very specialized uh, tours that are local for day trips or a couple of day trips here and there to basically um, some national parks in the area, lots of it in food-based, Route 66-based, architecture-based, sports arena-based tours. There are very, lots of specialty tours. And he said that is really huge. He's very successful because it's specific trips where you really have an experience and the restaurants he chooses are not the chain restaurants where you can seat a bus load and get them in and out in 90 minutes flat uh, it's these meet the family uh, in a taco place yes. it's uh chinese dim sum in a place where you meet the chefs or the you know the person who represents the restaurant who is english speaking who can talk about the cultural context and uh, the recipes and the history of the food so it's more of an experience and you sort of graze your way through chinatown or you graze your way through little tokyo and, and uh, nibbling on lots of delic great uh uh, delicious foods and that style of travel is really gaining traction and it gives you 
more an in-depth personal experience mm. with the location and in the context of that location. Yeah. And I think that's a big trend in, uh, I recommend that highly because I think people want slower travel. Yeah, we're finding that in Africa too. People are wanting to do that immersive uh immersive travel where you meet and, and have dinner in someone's house and they teach you the culture and and you eat the local food uh and also people are wanting as you say to to buy local to help uh, small and medium enterprises uh so that that is that is a great uh, a great thing and that wasn't as prevalent i think before the pandemic as it is now because i think people realize the, the how fragile everybody's ability to earn money is and i think everybody just wants to help as much as they can everybody get back on their feet it's yeah. a wonderful spirit uh i think the world has yes. got so that's we 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 uh were yeah taught uh, taught a lot but i think there's a lot to be grateful for actually from everything that the world has learned exactly i think you know one of my friends who's a therapist uh, from the early stages on was saying you know, when everybody was in 2020 having meltdowns emotionally and mentally and physically and uh, financially um especially in our world um she kept saying it's an opportunity because nothing will be the same and so you can look at it from oh my god everything's over or you can also look at it from we what can we do differently nothing will be exactly like before and people's comfort levels in terms of uh, social life and experiences and what they focus on and what priorities uh, they set has shifted now i think it's a great chance to come up with new exciting Fascinating, fascinating uh, itineraries and experiences, and uh, reinvent travel um, and you know make it a new experience for everybody. And I think that's a great uh, opportunity for all of us. Yes, absolutely. So it's yeah. going to be very interesting to see how travel grows, and I'm sure you will be at the forefront of writing it and documenting all about it. And you know, thank you so much for for joining us today on the podcast. And uh, let's hope we can catch up again in a few months and see how everything's going for you there in, in Tulsa. I'll give you guys an update on Tulsa. Happy to do so. And uh, the one worry is tornadoes. So uh, we'll see how I handle that one. I'm used to earthquakes. Tornadoes are new. Yeah, well, it's <laughs> but, interesting, interesting. But let's uh, may maybe yeah. I'll now you got me thinking about getting on a Harley in 2026 and coming through coming through <laughs> Route uh, 66. I hope you visit me here beforehand here or in LA. I'll be back and forth. Yeah. And on my bucket list, definitely. I follow your social media. I can't wait to come to Africa. You have such amazing uh, trips and locations that are exclusive and not overrun by crowds. And I just have to do that. One of these days, I'll be there. Thank you so very much for having me. Thanks, Marion. And we'll <laughs> see you soon, hopefully in Africa. Thanks a lot, Marion. Thank okay, you. Bye. Have a great day. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to KuzaCast, where we explore the world of tourism with leaders from all corners of the globe. Join me, Graham Watson, for future episodes as we dive into the latest trends and insights from the industry. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a rating, and we'll see you next time on KuzaCast.